The following is a Cast Wave Studios production. Captain Sean Holmes. And I'm your first officer, Brian Massey. Tonight, we review The City on the Edge of Forever for episode 29. Yeah, that's awesome. Also, hey, I'm looking up in the distance there. Uh huh. It's a Trappist. Oh no. (sighs) Engage. Directive. Oh, Ooh. jinx! Jinx! Ooh, I got it before you. You owe mm-hmm. me a coat. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess I do. <laughs> All right. I maybe I'll, maybe I'll flip flip a coin for it. Computer, flip a coin. Flipping. Heads. It's heads. Oh, hey, look at that. We uh, Alex uh, Alexa's here. Everybody. Hello, computer. Hello. Hi there. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, isn't it nice? It it is the future. It is it's great. <laughs> so uh, we just did uh, Farpoint 2017, as you can see if you're streaming and looking at the video. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we were there all weekend. Well, I was there Saturday and Sunday, and I got my very own name tag. Yes, you did. My name tag and my little na- actual name thing you put on a on a desk. You, did you get one too? I did it's somewhere else you know what i did get there what did you get some blue sky oh no i <laughs> know oh, brian's what's brian's, my name <laughs> brian's You're goddamn right brian's been going into drugs that's another um, podcast for another time oh my way. god yeah uh, i don't know if we're ever gonna do a breaking bad podcast mm-hmm. but it was like it's rock candy for like a dollar i was like yeah sure why not so um so, so i finally broke down and huh. bought uh an echo uh dot yes and as you can see, I've been playing around with it like nonstop since I got it a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Very good purchase, by the way. It's 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 extremely good, and it's like it's something I can use every day. Um, I actually got the little smart plug thing so that it would turn on and off my lights and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I switched it back into computer. Um, hi. Hi. She lit up as soon as I said. Uh, Aww. That the c word, but um, I'll just say as soon as I say the c word, um, no, it happens. Oh, I and I installed Star Trek fan trivia. Oh, so do, would you like to play some some trivia? Sure, why not? Okay, computer, open Trek fan trivia. Oh. I can't find that skill. We'll try it again. To find skills, <laughs> go to the skills section of the Alexa app. Shut up. El Cars is malfunctioning. <sighs> I didn't pronounce it right. I think it's Trek fan trivia. Yeah. Okay. Computer. 
Open Trek Fan Trivia. Welcome to Star Trek, the original series fan trivia. Ooh. This fan trivia skill covers the original series, season one through three. I will ask you seven questions. Try to get as many right as you can. Okay. To answer a question, just say the number of the answer. That Please sounds note, great. this skill is not sponsored or endorsed by CBS Studios Incorporated. It is strictly for fun and for fans of the original Star Trek well, television that's what we series. Are. Now that the legalese is out of the way, <laughs> let's begin. Question one. Who is the unscrupulous entrepreneur who sold dribbles? One. Harry Mudd. Two. Corax. Three. Cyrano Jones. Four. Turlane. One. One. That answer is wrong. The correct answer is three. Cyrano Jones. Your oh, score is right. zero. Question oh. two. What legendary science fiction writer wrote the episode The City on the Edge of Forever? One. Harlan Ellison. Two. Mark Twain. Three. Isaac Asimov. Four. Tom Clancy. One. That answer is correct. Your score is one. We're going to be talking Question about him later three. on, by the way. Why is Vulcan blood green? One. It is copper-based. Two. It is methane-based. Three. It is iron-based. Four. It is not green. One. That answer is correct. Your score is two. Not Question bad. four. What type of exotic energy does the galactic barrier contain? One. Negative energy. Two. Gamma energy. Three. Ionic energy. Four. Alpha waves. Three? That answer is wrong. The correct answer is one. Negative energy. Your score is two. Question five. What technology does the crew of the Enterprise use to make food? One. McDonald's. Two. The view screen. Three. The replicator. Four. Dilithium crystals. Three. That answer is correct. Your score is three. Question six. Which one of the following is not true? One. The Enterprise turbo lifts can take you to the bridge. Two. Dilithium crystals power the Enterprise. Three. Vulcans are related to Romulans. Four. Sulu is French. Four. That answer is correct. Your score is four. Question seven. Who was the leader of the Kelvins from the Andromeda Galaxy? One. Rojan. Two. Kalinda. Three. Henner. Four. Tom. One. That answer is correct. Yes. You got five out of seven questions correct. Thank you for playing. Live long and prosper. Word. Oh, dude, it even said live long and prosper. Hooray. I mean, yeah. That's right. I forgot about... No, Harry Mudd was the guy. He was on the ship, too. Right. Cyrano Jones was the undercover uh, Klingon who was trying to subterfuge the Enterprise. And yeah. Mudd was just kind of going around, you know, using the Tribbles to be able to, like, get free drinks and shit and sell them off and, you know, be like, oh, hey, would you like to buy this? And, you know, basically they were kind of working together, but not really. So I, I kind of forgot about that. Then again, I haven't really seen... I believe that's episode two of season two. I guess so. So yeah. we'll get to that. Um, now that we've now that we've talked about um, Harlan Ellison, by the way, I uh, have a little bit of a fun trivia for you about that as well. Okay, another bit of trivia. Harlan Ellison um, was the writer, of course, for the City on the Edge of Forever, which is going to be the episode that we talk about uh, in the second half of the show. But 
I bet you didn't know that Harlan Ellison also wrote an unproduced script for another show that was on TV in the 60s. Can you guess which one? What? Give, give a guess. Um, there were all kinds of shows that were on in the 1960s. What was the show that he wrote an unproduced script for? Uh, Gilgan's Island? Wrong. He wrote an unproduced script for Batman 1966. Oh, shit. Yes, he did. And you know why it was never put to screen? Why? Is because uh, apparently um, Bill Dozier thought, hey, you know, we really can't do Two-Face because he looks too horrifying. We can't have him on screen. People will not want to watch it. So this script went unproduced, but it survived. And it was in the vault for years and years and years. DC Comics actually went and took that script and during the run of Batman 66 in the comics during the New 52 run, yeah, they actually did a comic book version of that. And I actually have it and I'll bring it on the show one day. Um, yeah, Harlan Ellison, the same guy who wrote The City Out of the Edge of Forever, wrote one of the great unproduced Batman 66 episodes. So, there you go. Wow. Um, yeah. And what a great episode it was. Oh my God. It was... <sighs> It was like watching like a really good movie that went by really fast, but yeah. you didn't feel you didn't feel bad about it. Felt it felt like a movie. Um, let's take a look here. Is there any other trivia that we have here? Do you want to do another round? No, actually, I did want to talk about. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Farpoint, and then let's also talk about one of the big discoveries that happened. Um, okay, and then we'll get into the review. So, um, Farpoint was down in Baltimore this um, past weekend. And uh, I had a pretty good time over there. We actually uh, were on a couple of different panels. Okay. And um, I had a lot of fun. I was actually on a panel talking about Star Trek. um, What is your favorite Star Trek? Um, And one of the really interesting things was that I was on, I was on a couple of panels actually with people who have written for Star Trek, which was weird. I was on. um, There was one guy, and I'm sorry, I can't remember y'all's name. I'm suck at names. Sorry. But um, there were two guys in two separate panels that have written for Star Trek, either in novella form or they've actually written for the animated series. And um, they've written all together at least 70, maybe 80 novels together between them. So they know their Trek. And I kind of felt out of place on my um, What's Your Favorite Star Trek panel only because, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm the youngest guy on the panel. Yeah. And... um, you know, they're, everybody else is sharing their experiences, and they got these great stories about how, like, oh, well, I was a kid, and I was in the 70s, and, you know, it was rerun all the time, and, you know, I sat there with my dad and watched it during dinner time and all that stuff, and I'm just sitting there like, okay, I'm the last person to go up talking about how I got into Star Trek, and I'm sitting there going like, hi, guys, my name's Brian. Um, I didn't get into Star Trek at a young age, and they were like, what? I was like, yeah, no, um, I got into Star Wars early <laughs> And, like, you know, talking about how, like, Batman and all the other stuff I got into first. And I kind of, it wasn't until I was an adult that I got into Star Trek. And, you know, I never really got to experience Star Trek as a kid. Even though I did know who Spock was. You know, everybody knows who the pointier guy is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everyone um, knows Spock. Everybody knows Spock. And my cousin, my, my cousin Jason, actually used to watch Next Gen over at his house all the time. So I would catch an episode or two. And, like, that's how I kind of got introduced to it. Um, but yeah, I kind of admitted like, you know, I didn't really get into it until I saw the Star Trek 2009 movie. And even then that was a fluke because the movie that we were going to go see that night was sold out. I can't even remember what it was, but we decided to go see the new Star Trek film. I fell in love with it. I started going into TOS. I just 
fell in love with the franchise as a whole. And that's how I got into it. And um, people were kind of giving me the evil eye just a little bit, but I felt like because I've been doing this podcast and because I've been trying to learn more about Star Trek and talk more openly about being in, into Star Trek, you know, I kind of, you know, got that stink eye, you know, alleviated off of me just a little bit because, yeah, I kind of came into it. I, I imagine that you were into it as a kid. I was. You know? And um, one of the things, it was really funny, like uh, the, the, day, the day we're going to Farpoint, the first day we're actually going to Farpoint Convention, my Facebook feed comes up with a video I uploaded the scene like a couple of years ago, the yeah. same exact time. Yeah, like four years ago, the same exact time I uploaded the video of the, my the Star Trek uh, tour in um, that Universal was, Studios. Wait, was um, that in Universal Studios or was the, that Kings Dominion? That was Universal Studios. Oh, okay, so you went. Wait, did you go to Florida or California? Florida? Okay, right on. This was in Florida. Um, it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a big, big, uh, kind of a big, uh, green screen operation, mm-hmm. but it was, it was fun. It was, it was just interesting <laughs> to see. Yeah. And I kept on staring. I remember staring at the screen out like, like, cause what we kept, we looked over there and you could see yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so fascinated because I was on green screen, but like, le- like, you know, uh, what was it? It starts out with, uh. Leonard, uh, Leonard Nimoy and, and Shatner, and Shatner arguing back and forth. Arguing back and forth. Yeah. And I'm looking over there, and then like they kept on telling me to look, like look at camera, like don't don't look at the uh, don't look don't, at don't look at the camera. Don't everybody. look at the, the monitors. I'm like, well, I can't help it because I can see them there, but they're not like in front of me. And it was so. <laughs> well, yeah, I was, I was I was I was like 10 years old, so I'm I'm just <laughs> like. I'm just no, like, I've done what, the, what is going on here? What I can kind Im- of magic is this? I'm only laughing because I can imagine myself doing the exact same thing. Where I'm yeah. like, but they're right there. But, but they're right there. <laughs> I, w- I want to see Spock now. Yeah. Um, um, so it was it was a fun time, and yeah, my, right you know, it's 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 a it's a memory with my family that will, that will endure age and time. And that's and, awesome. And man. it was based off of Star Trek, which is which is what. Which I think, if you ever did those star tours as you're as you're a kid, that's automatic Star Trek cred. Oh yeah, totally. That's automatic nerd cred for Star Trek. I mean, like my my thing was, I don't have Star Trek cred going back that far. I just don't. But I can straight up tell you because, again, like I said in the in the panel, what really got me into the whole star thing, and another thing that I mentioned, uh, by the way, in that panel was, you know, I was kind of indoctrinated into the whole Wars versus Trek thing. I mean, if you, obviously, if you've seen Fanboys, you've seen glimpses of that, you know, where, like, Wars versus Trek, you know, back in the 90s especially, yeah. you know, that was a huge thing back in the day. It was almost like, you know, Sega versus Nintendo. Like, you had one or the other, and there was a line drawn, and if you crossed it, then <laughs> yeah, you. No father. Um, so, for me, growing up, another thing that kept me out of Trek was, you know, well, no, dude, I'm on the Wars side, you know? I mean, I've got my, you know... I got my thing full of like action figures and whatnot, and I've watched the movies religiously. I used to go out on the porch with my buddy Xavier, and we used to like take all the because we bought like all these action figures from yeah. Star, like the Kenner line and shit. And like my first, my first action figure, I was actually um, the Death Star Gunner with like the weird like black you know helmet, yeah, back like that. And then um, after that, I got some Boba Fett figures and Darth Vader and whatnot. And we used to go in the yard, and we used to, like, just make adventures up with that stuff. And we used to, like, do battles and stuff. And we used to get sticks and, like, you know, do, like, I don't know, just all kinds of shit and, like, throw them around. And, you know, that's how I got into, like, the whole imaginative side of sci-fi like that is, like, 
reading the books and, you know, creating my own adventures. And even though it wasn't Trek, it was monumental in turning me who I am today. That was how I started getting into my nerd pajamas, basically. Right. And, um, you know, I've been in them ever since. And uh, I mentioned that. And, you know, again, some people were like, okay. But, you know, I imagine, like, you know, other people were doing the same stuff with Trek toys as kids. Hmm. Other people were doing the same with, like, you know, like, play sets. I can't imagine what the play sets were like for those figures. Like, I know you got, like, a Borg figure over here, and, like, and you probably had a couple of those growing up as well, right? Right. I, I can't imagine, like, kind of adventures you, that you had with, like, say, Lauren or anybody else growing up where, like, you were just messing around with that stuff. Or Well, I well, uh, my dad got a, um, it was the NCC 1701, mm-hmm. and you, you press you the button, and it would say... It'll be it'll go chirp 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 chirp, space the final frontier and 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 like to go you know and I'll announce the the prime directive to both to go where no man has gone before, and and I was always fascinated with that and also and because it had a little wire hung over so it looked like it floated and then this little ship went up and then in on the tiny it was a tiny Galileo seven. And I always picked that up and played it with the shit out of that little toy because it was so small, it was so cool, and it was like you could zoom it around and everything. That's I have fond memories of that. Just just playing playing around with a tiny Galileo Seven. That's awesome, man. So, yeah. Um, on that awesome note, um, let's uh, we're gonna go ahead and kind of um, break for commercial, um, and then we'll come back and, and we'll come uh, back, continue the conversation, and then review the episode. Yeah, we'll. Uh, come back to city on the edge of forever we'll be right back today's episode is brought to you by amazon prime try free for 30 days of amazon prime courtesy of your nerds at castwave studios just go to castwavestudios.com and click the banner at the top that's amazon prime this episode is brought to you by Audible.com, home of thousands of audiobooks. Click through the link in the episode description below and receive two free audiobooks of your choice. We at the studio recommend Ready Player One, as narrated by Star Trek alumni Will Wheaton. That's two free audiobooks from Audible.com. Click the link now. Hey everyone, today's show is brought to you by Castwave Studios' Amazon page. Help our tiny, poor studio and save money at the same time. All you gotta do is go to castwavestudios.com slash Amazon. Learn it, bookmark it, love it. That's castwavestudios.com slash Amazon. Sean is motioning me for to stretch it out. Stretch it out. <laughs> no. <laughs> I refuse. And welcome back to the Prime Directive. Or, or should I say, the Prime Directive. Now before, we get, <laughs> now, before we get into the episode, I feel like we have to, at the very least, acknowledge the news that dropped from NASA this weekend, man. Or, like, yesterday. Um, we found we, out... We found, pla- we found planets. We found fucking exoplanets, dude, that might harbor water, that might be able to sustain life, and they're 40 light years away from us. Now, granted, that's a long way away, and we're not going to get there anytime it's soon. nothing for, like, Enterprise. Right. Know? Dude, how we mind, got neighbors? How mind blowing! We is got that? neighbors. We got neighbors, dude. Got neighbors. Oh my god! And the fact that it was like the number one trending thing on Facebook, and that was the Google image this morning. 
Like I was like, thank God someone actually cares about this in this day and Trappist age. Thank one. God. Thank God. Like, oh, it was just. It's or, it's orbiting a nearby star. Yes, and it's a dwarf star too. Uh, and these, the, what's interesting about this is that technically they're saying that all seven planets might be able to sustain life, and that they're so close to each other that if you saw on one of the planets, you would see them all kind of whizzing by because their orbit is so close to one another. And all seven planets, again, I say, might be able to not only sustain life but have, you know, water-filled oceans, which. You know, when you're looking for a planet to possibly, you know, settle on, they look for water. NASA looks for water. If they, if there's water, that's the key ingredient for life. We might have neighbors. Not it's only freaking cool. Not only might we have a planet that we can settle, we might have people or you know, aliens living out there, dude. Because if there's water, then that means that there might be life. And that would answer the question, are we alone in the universe? We're that close to it. We're that close to it, dude. How fucking amazing is yeah, that? Yeah, we, we went from... Like, I'm just so lonely. To... Hello. Yes. And, uh... Wait, was the Kirby supposed to be in there? Oh, uh, no. That was... That was that was my roommate texting me to do the dishes, even though they're already done. Oh. Hi, Zach. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I had to... Before we even got into the episode, I felt like we had to talk about that, because especially when it's Star Trek that we're talking about... Yeah. How can we not mention that? You know, like, that is literally what the show is about, is going and exploring that. Right. So, ah, oh my God, like, I've just been, like, I've been calm and cool on the outside all day, but on the inside all day, I've been like, oh, my God, fucking yes, like, oh, my God. Nice. <sighs> Anyways. So. So. Um... That being said, it's the city on the edge forever. Yes, let's talk about the city on the edge of forever. While investigating a mysterious time ripples in the orbit of an unexplored uh, planet, Dr. McCoy, he accidentally ejects himself with this overdose of, uh, was it Carta, Cartarazine? Cortorazine? Cortorazine, I believe it Cortazine. is called. Cortorazine. Yeah. Cortorazine. Uh, escaping from the Enterprise, he jumps through a time portal in the Guardian Oh, excuse me, in the Guardian oh. of Forever. Um, that, that sounds like a Led Zeppelin song. <laughs> the Guardian of Forever. It's the Guardian of Forever. Yes. yes. Um, so um, back to uh, Earth's past where he changes history, erasing the Enterprise and Federation from history. Right. So he basically pulls a uh, Biff. A Biff. Tan. Pretty much. But this is before Biff Tannen, so... Go, rig, go figure. So this is, like, yeah. one of the first... Um, <laughs> okay, I got I got to pull this picture up. It cracks me the hell up. But, um... Yes. Uh, by the way, this episode was directed by Joseph um, Pervney, um, written by Harlan Ellison, and it was produced by Gene L. Coon, and the guest star was Joan Collins. Now, <clears throat> this particular... I'm the man, apparently. Yeah, you're getting you're getting Nintendo in my Star Trek. I'm sorry, you you uh, you'd be all like this. Uh, <laughs> that that is me after eating Taco Bell and KFC and drinking beer before liquor, and then waking up at three in the morning. That's exactly what that face is. <laughs> it's going. I made a mistake. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay. Where do you begin with this episode? Um, this episode has so much heart. 
to it. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's times in which, you know, you look at it nowadays, there might be a line or two that would seemingly be contrived. I mean, certainly jo- Joan Collins' character, uh, I forget her name, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, when she's given her speech about, you know, how, you know, one day we'll visit a man on the moon. There'll be a man on the moon and we'll explore the galaxy and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, hold off on the cough medicine. But at the same time, you know, Kirk writes that off. It's like, well, maybe she just has gifted insight. I don't know. Um, it's obvious, though. It's obviously made plain and simple that she is a very important um, person in the annals of time, for better or for worse. Um, obviously, if you watched the episode, you found out that if she did not die in the car wreck like she did in the um, a timeline as intended, then what would happen is she would go on to gain notoriety and gain you know fame as a peacekeeper. And she would be talking with, um, she wound up, she winds up talking with FDR, the president FDR about let's not go into war just yet, which gives the Nazis enough time to develop the A-bomb before the Americas do. And basically shit gets fucked up. It does. And now Kirk has to, you know, basically make the decision. Do I damn millions of people or do I kill someone who I've, might be falling madly in love with. Right. Obviously, there's a lose-lose there. And Kirk has to decide between the two. And, you know, that's kind of what the uh, meat and bones, if you will, <laughs> of the potato is. <laughs> of this episode is. Uh, <laughs> bones. I said potato. I don't know why. Um, I'm, I guess I'm hungry. Um, but this episode, again, is really well made. Um, it's one of my favorites. It's one of... Many different... What is wrong with Bones in that picture, by the way? <laughs> um, um, he's butthurt. Like, what did they put on his face, dude? Like, that is just... God, that looks like... That looks like Romero zombie. Like, <laughs> like just turned Romero zombie. Um, but, again, this is one of my favorite episodes. Many other people's favorite episodes. Sean, it, is you... my, it is my favorite episode. Yeah? Um, by far, just because um, it has a real defining the first it's the first ever type type of like time paradox plot in tv mm-hmm. like one one of the first ever that that deals uh wheels of deals with the linear with linear time mm-hmm. and uh you know if you affect something in the past it'll it'll create a new strain in the future and they and they approach these subjects and also it comes with a um a love interest, but also mixing that with a time paradox. I thought that was such an interesting move that um, I just fell in love with this with this episode, and um, and it it doesn't end like like the other episodes do. It doesn't end like like oh everything's fixed and everything's a okay. This one it, it ended on a sour note. This is not an episode that we could have done the um, you know you know. What is no, I didn't. I purposely we, did not yeah, look we, up because I was enjoying it so much. I did not look up the Curb Your Enthusiasm yeah. song. This is this is not one that you can do that with. This is not one where like you know everybody's like laughing on the bridge at the very end. It's like <laughs> dun, Kurt's dun, just like, dun, 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 dun. "Hey, Spock, how's it going?" You no, know, no, <laughs> that's the one I refuse to the match. I with. believe you mean to insult every other episode is fine. It's fine. Yeah. No, this one is literally it, it ends. It, it it's it is the. The last, it's, it's the Empire Strikes Back of Star Trek TV. 
a little bit. I mean, it's literally like the last line that is spoken, even after, um, uh, even after being told by this omnipotent, you know, ever-present, you know, hole in the universe that can basically take you wherever you need to, and being offered that power. The last line spoken by Kirk in this episode is, "Let's get the hell out of here." Let's get the hell out of Dodge. I was like. He, he, he said like, exactly what I said. I said, oh, I'll just get the fuck out of here. Like, and he said, let's get the hell out of here. I was like, to be well, perfectly honest, close. I don't blame him because that, I mean, that is a scary amount of power um, that you're being given. And really, like, to just go through that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. There's other, There's obviously other episodes that deal with, like, parallel lives or parallel dimensions and stuff like that. One of the ones that come to mind might be the inner light from, you know, Next Generation. And I feel like they did certain different kind of elements. Yeah. Um, a little bit better, maybe. But, I mean, it's hard to top this one as far as, you know, alternate, you know, universe and timelines go. Well, this is let's, one let's, of the best. Let's start getting into uh, diving, uh, diving into the categories here. We're going to start with engineering, which, you, you know as it is, is uh, special effects all-around all visuals. Okay. You know, that is really getting annoying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that it was a great job. Mm-hmm. I think everything in here, um, including, like, the re- the recuts of the planet, right, um, worked to its advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from the from the from the makeup because all the the sets were believable as as mm-hmm. that time period. There was really nothing. Yeah, I mean, it was nothing out of sync. It looked like Depression era New York or it Chicago did. or you know major city in the 1930s. I mean, on, honestly, they had the same soundstage they've been shooting in, which looked like the other the other town from. Um, oh yeah, yeah, where we're like it's you know it's half past twelve on the the Doomsday chart or whatever mm, that was. Right. Uh, <laughs> um. I thought it they it was excellent. I'm giving it, I'm actually giving it a, uh, like a nine or a ten. I'm giving it a nine as well. Um, nine, all right. You know, and no bias there by any stretch of the imagination. It's just you know everything in this episode. I mean, hell, even you know just looking at you know bones when he's all sweaty and like you know obviously kind of in a fervor. Um, they got that makeup really well done as well. Yeah. It, it was it was pretty amazing. So uh, that's nine out of ten for engineering. So we'll move on to the bridge. Evacuate bridge. Deck one life support failure in thirty seconds. And uh, this is for the acting and the story, which we went over it again. I mean, I'll go over it again, but it's basically kind of the same type of deal here, where this is the first time travel kind of paradox we've seen in, in television to this degree. Mm-hmm. And it works so well. Um, when we talk about acting, um, which is something that I, I don't know, I, I probably haven't mentioned on the show, but like acting is something that I've always been interested in, and I love watching and analyzing how different people do different things. Um, and I, I hope to maybe one day actually be an actor, you know, and do that stuff myself, and maybe some other podcast can analyze what I did one day. Who knows? You know, long shot. Um, one of the things that I really loved in this episode was. Um, how Joan Collins talked, um, because she has that kind of like 1960s, like kind of, um, I, God, I, I can't imagine, I, I can't think of the word for it, but she has that kind of, you know, kind of English, but not really kind of it's accent. It's not English. It's 
it's being well spoken. Right. Um, possibly like the way she holds herself is proper there. Yeah. There's, you don't see that anymore. You do not see that kind of acting anymore. No. And I loved it because not only was she, you know, not only was she gorgeous and beautiful in this episode, but she was also very well spoken. Um, she was very smart. Um, and you know, even though she kind of had a bit of an edge to her when she was talking to all the different, you know, people that were in the soup kitchen at the same time, she was offering, you know, glimpses of what might be. And uh, I, I think she took the script and she did a really good job with it. And, um, you know, Bones, I mean, when it comes to acting, I mean, they pretty much were just like, okay, the first half of this episode, you're acting like a wild man. Can you act like a wild man? And Bones is just like, murderers! Ah, they're going to kill me! Ah! And so <laughs> he, he did his job there. Yeah, um, I mean, he he, act, he had crazy, because, like, you know, yeah. is crazy. You know, mm-hmm. he's, you, you have ah. to be man, manic and insane. W- William Shatner, in this episode, in this particular moment, I, I pulled a screenshot for, yes. for your viewing pleasure, Brian. Um, Thank you. You know, obviously, the, the, the female love interest dies, mm-hmm. and necessarily has to. And what, what um, he the way his reaction was, I didn't think it wasn't the usual Kirk Ham. No. It was it was well directed. It was it well was, it was a well directed. So it, like him leaning against the post and like he well at one point he puts his he puts his face on his hand and he's just he's just writhing in just silent pain because he knows he can't mm-hmm. can't really freak out in in public and he's being restrained and it was it was a good emotion there's you know that he was portraying especially, especially especially in this episode you know one of the things that really sticks to me about again one of the panels that we were at um was that one of the things that people really loved about kirk which by the way um we argued about whether or not you know a series with Pap- captain pike uh, jeffrey hunter uh, would that last a season or would we think about Star Trek the way that we do now? And the answer was no, because no. the reason Absolutely being is because no. Kirk here, especially here, especially here, Kirk has a thing that maybe we didn't talk about on the show beforehand, but he's vulnerable. Uh, in a lot of the different situations that he's in, he is a very vulnerable person. He's able to open up to different people, especially Bones and Spock. Obviously, Kirk, Bones, and Spock are the ego, the super ego, and the id. And um, they're all kind of, you know, manifestations of that. And Kirk here is very vulnerable. He's obviously heartbroken, but at the same time, he knows he has to do the right thing or else, you know. We could talk about this all night. I'm just going to give it a 30 out of 30 and just move on. Right. (laughs) So he uh, did the right thing because if he didn't, Nazis. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah. So so it's 30. Yeah. 30. 30 out of 30. And uh, sick bay. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. There's there's one death. One death. One death. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. There was the, the lady, which... Uh, I was about to be like, don't even ask. Three points. Three points. Sure. For for plot. I mean, obviously, this, this is the one where it kind of drops, <laughs> drops some of the points because... Uh, but you'll still get a good store escort in, I'm thinking. But, um, all right, so next is, uh, Captain's Log. Captain's Log, stardate 48579.4. Captain's Log, stardate 41590. Captain's Log, stardate 1254.4. Captain's Log, stardate 2712.4. And, uh, this is the captain's job. So, uh, Kirk having to 
fall in love and then told, hey, that chick you really like from the past, mm-hmm. she's actually supposed to die. He, yeah. In he, order for the Federation to exist, in order for United States to win the Second World War, she needs to die. Right. And, and like, having that information, just, like, he, he's like, no, you must be wrong. And, like, to tell Spock he must be wrong, like, he must be re- really, he was really into this girl. I mean, you know, you can't argue that he didn't do his job. You could argue that this was not a traditional, you know, is the captain doing what he needs to do or is he doing his job? I'm going to give it an eight. You're um, giving an eight? Mm-hmm. I'm giving, I'm giving it a ten, so mm-hmm. we're, we're giving him a nine. Okay. So, uh, I'll th- you know, we're going to move on to the next category here, which is the Battle Stations. <laughs> Uh, which is the action, and um, there wasn't really much action in this, with the with the, with the, the the fact that there was like some arrests. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, I forgot to mention this. So <laughs> the I, the uh, Spock Vulcan neck pinches a cop, right? A police, a nineteen thirties, a nineteen twenties, thirties police um, officer. We didn't get to talk about this in acting, and um, I, I just kind of wanted, wanted to bring it up here. One of my favorite performances in this is, you know, the uh, obvious Chicago cop who's, like, you know, being told this story by Kirk, and, like, obviously Kirk is making it up as he goes, and the cop is just getting, you know, impatient with him, impatient with him, until finally he's like, all right, all right now, that's enough. <laughs> Get up on the wall now. Oh, you know? Molly. Oh, Molly. It's not like, <laughs> like you can spy. <laughs> like, what about, what about my uniform? Oh. <laughs> So um, I like yeah. what Spock says for, as an excuse to like touch his uniform or to, to give him the the neck pinch. Whatever. He basically just he was like, just hey, like, there's a spot on your shirt. Spot you can't ha- you can't go home to your wife like that. He said, "Oh yeah, you're right." Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no, I, 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 oh, I fainted. Oh, uh, me, me potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm giving it a giving it an eight. I did enjoy Bones acting all crazy. Uh, and uh i'll give it a seven um seven. because again there wasn't really much action oh, okay um, i'll side with you okay it was seven but again that like... wasn't really the main focus of the episode yeah and um this probably next category will get a lot of points well it's inside out i heard that it turned inside out and it exploded um travel time travel time travel is the most crazy thing to travel like did they go somewhere? Yes, but when? When did they go? Now, 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 <laughs> it's now, not a question of where; it's when. Now, hold on, just hold on a second, because I do want to mention something. Because I did mention this on the other show that I did mm. this week. If we were talking about this and we were on, you know, impromptu Who, if we were talking about Doctor Who, we wouldn't be giving us that many points because it's like, well, of course he's time traveling; he's the Doctor. But this is Star Trek; it's a little bit different. They hardly time travel, <laughs> so. Um, when 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 the Enterprise or the the crew of the Enterprise time travel, it's kind of a big deal because they can't just hop back in the TARDIS and go, oh, you know, let's go somewhere else in space and time. Yeah, he's not a Time Lord. So, um, it's funny just because we were actually, um, by the way, let me just quick plug. We actually just reviewed the Tenth Planet for um Impromptu Who. That'll be up on Hello. the website shortly. So, uh, if you want to check that out, please feel free to check that out. Um, oh God, no! Yeah. <laughs> No, no, please, please go, please go check it out and say hello to the guys over there at uh, 
you know, at uh, Impromptu Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, find that at castwaystudios.com. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so this one is going to get about, as far as travel goes... Ten! How could you not put anything about a ten? Mm-hmm. All right. Ten, ten. 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 Intruder alert on deck eight. And this is the uh, antagonist, which... Uh, bad guys. Bad guys, which hey. is McCoy! Bad guy's coming. M- McCoy. Um, McCoy's the bad guy. Time travel is is a bad guy, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I did alternate wanna... timeline would be the antagonist here. Mm-hmm. Trying to, I mean, yeah. Um, Matt. Um, yeah. The um, I don't know. There's not really so much as a bad, so, so much of a bad guy as much as there is. A good person with good intentions that are just in the wrong time period. Because mm. the real bad guys are the Nazis. Um, even though you never really see a Nazi, you never really, you know, punch a Nazi. Kirk should punch a Nazi in this. Sometimes you know, but, you're Nazi, sometimes you no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no. Just, no. Um, sometimes you Yetzi, sometimes you Nazi. I did not see that coming! Um... <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, I'm think uh, I'm thinking because um, it really, really wasn't an antagonist per se. Yeah, I mean, mean, there was Bones, and he was crazy. The situation was, well, but didn't on, really have on. an antagonist. Bones was the reason why this all kind of happened. But he he was he was great. As if you're going to call, he was. so we're labeling him as an t- antagonist. If well, we hold on. Him on what this. I'm what I'm uh, hold on. I just want to talk this through with you real fast. Maybe let's talk, let's talk about this just a little bit more. Right. So, because this is such a good episode, and because I feel like we it it it's, it deserves to it be deserves about the highest more. degree that we can give it. Um, okay, so obviously you know Bones injects himself with this stuff that makes him go mad. Uh, it's one hundred times percent the um, the um, percentage that any man or woman should have. Um, and he goes crazy. He goes down. He of his own volition goes back in the past, and somehow, some way, that manages to change the timeline to the point where Enterprise doesn't exist, Starfleet doesn't exist. And, um, you know, this entire time you, the act, you're told, well, Bones does something. Bones does something that makes, you know, this character that needs to die live. And obviously you get Nazis. Now, what I was expecting every time I watch this episode and I've watched this episode a couple times, um, let me know how you feel about this. It feels like, you know, um, Bones was going to be the one that get that got hit or something like that or you know there was going to be something where Bones is going to you know step in the way of you know Joan Collins's character and she lives he dies something like that and the twist is that Kirk you know even though he's the one that has to stop himself then turns around and has to stop Bones as well from kind of you know getting in the middle of her getting hit um, and there's a bit it feels like there's a bit of a twist there. I think, you know. I mean, honestly, um, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking we should grade it like, like a 17 out of 20. Okay. I mean, even though like I would say bones, I would classify him as an antagonist, the, yeah. the, the drug being <laughs> drug, making him crazy. Crazy is the antagonist. I think, yeah. I, I mean, to, to, to also, almost obli- to obliterate the enterprise and everything in the fu- future itself in one single move. That's pretty daring for for antagonist. So I'm yep. thinking maybe it gets a higher score. Maybe like an like an 18. Yeah. I'm thinking give, maybe I'll, 18. I'll give it an 18 because 
this serum manages to do the one thing that, you know, the Klingons, the Romulans, um, any kind of, you know, species or, you know, hostile alien threat that would, you know, intercept the Enterprise has never been able to do, which is make the Enterprise basically never even exist in the first place. Damn. That's, that's power. <laughs> so. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. Like, I. Yeah, I really like this episode, and um, I, I feel like it gets as much praise as it needs. I want to give this an A. You do, but uh, we uh, shafted it in sickbay. Yeah. So bonus points? No. Mm, it's the that's the rules. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, B's a really good grade for it for is. us. It's a high B. It's a high B. It's a really good episode. Yes. I mean, honestly, I, I will, I'll give it. Obviously, you know, we, we can give give bonus points like whose line points to it. All the whose line point to it points to this episode whatsoever. It's great to sit down and like enjoy the plot. It feels like a mini movie. It does. I definitely, I highly recommend this episode. If you're on the fence about Star Trek in general, and you're like. I really, you were like, I really don't want to go with all this crazy science mumbo jumbo. Can you, can you, you know, this will be excellent starter because it, it introduces it in, into the, into the real fold. It introduces you into the fold and it, you know, it, it presents you with a concept that maybe you never, you know, thought about in your daily life, or maybe you never really experienced that in sci-fi before. You know, it gives you this concept of, like, what is possible within the realms of fiction? And certainly, there have been stories that have been written like this before in, you know, books and whatnot. But, you know, to put it to film, to put it to television, television, not even film, television, yeah. was a feat in of itself. And um, I really do recommend you go out and check this out. Because, again, it's kind of like a Star Trek starter pack. I would say this... Amok Time and Trouble with the Tribbles. Go check out those three episodes, and you'll get into Star Trek. All right. So, um, yeah, 86B, um, The City on the Edge of Forever for episode 29. And, uh, and while it might have an 86, we're not going to nix it. No. You get it? <laughs> it's a chef joke, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, you're I was born. <laughs> I was born in 87, so. Oh, jeez. Almost a chef. <laughs> uh, so go to castawaystudios.com slash Amazon um, to get all your shopping needs out of the way. Uh, feel free to pick up the the Echo Dot. It's fun. You can say, you know... All kinds of horrid shit to it. You can say, computer, tell me a joke. Or, or not. I mean, she knows She's what. tired. She's tired. I mean, you can, there's a bunch of things you can... Can do, can do. I mean, I can have her. I can have her tell me a joke right now. Computer, tell me a joke. An Englishman, Irishman, and Scotsman walk into a bar. The barman looks up and says, "Is this some kind of a joke?" And on that note, I'm your captain, Sean Holmes, and I'm your first officer, Brian Massey. That joke was awful. All her jokes are awful. <laughs> I got one for you. Okay. Two men walk into a bar. The third one ducks. 
Computer, tell me a joke. <laughs> a snake walks into a bar. The bartender says, how'd you do that? Yeah, he doesn't have any legs. I don't think it's getting any better. No. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Live long and podcast. Bye. Catch you later. Bye. Alexa check Studios.com.